Welcome to the Super Sentai Brothers. This is episode 41 of A View to a Kaka Ranger, the internet's best and only podcast dedicated to Ninja Sentai Kaka Ranger. Every week we watch an episode of the show and we share our thoughts with you, the listeners. My name is Matt Jay. With me as always is my co-host and brother Dave. Dave, how you doing today, bud? Good. Just hanging out. Beautiful Sitting day Sitting down to here. do, uh, record a podcast, so that's fun. Sure, like you do. I mean, like we do. Not everyone does this. Yeah, no, not everybody. But we definitely Although, do do that. increasingly, it seems like everyone is kind of doing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's... Uh, listen, anyways. Listen, it's there's a low barrier to entry, is what I'm saying. Obviously. I was actually going to say that exact same thing. It's like, it's like punk rock music is to music. Like, podcasts are like punk rock for people who don't know how to play instruments and would rather just talk. I feel like that describes us really well, actually. <laughs> uh, anyway, today we are going to be watching episode 41 of Ninja Sentai Kaku Ranger. It is called The Stray Ghost. But before we get into that, Dave, shining in the heavens, there are five stars. What is our first star of the week? So our first star of the week, man, is I just got back from a week in uh, Virginia, which was a lot of fun. Welcome back. And yeah, thank you. So... But what I actually want to talk about is what I had to eat on the way there and back. So, so road food, man. Um, A mixed bag at best. Yeah, at like super best. So I experienced a lot of, so I, I we were at a, a Sheets and my travel plans really rely on Sheets existing. Sure. I discovered this when I went someplace where there weren't any Sheets. And oh, I like way, it really speaking of places where there are not any sheets. Do you want to explain it for people outside of this part oh, of the country? Yeah, sorry. Sheets is a gas station, but there's like a restaurant inside where you can get all sorts of stuff. And they have like really extensive snack selections and drink selections. And uh, it's like they're just always like super clean and like they're great. They're the best gas station ever. I know that people have compared sheets to like Wawa which is like a New England thing. Yes. Or New England. I hate Publix, to tell maybe? you. I don't know. Yeah. I hate to tell you, New England. I've been to Wawa, and uh, it's not a patch on Sheets. Sheets is absolutely, like, be- like I don't want to start a war about this. It's just, Sheets is just better. I think it's so too late. Right? I think that as soon as you mention Wawa as compared to any other place, the Wawa people will come for you. Even the ones that aren't listening to this show will come for you. They will somehow, like somebody has a Google alert set up for it. Like, who's this guy? So we stop and I'm like, man, I want something to eat. Uh, I, you know, I, I just want something quick. And so I grab this, it's a protein bar. And I have, I kind of love protein bars, not because I like work out all the time and like super need the protein, but because they're basically candy bars that I don't feel 100% bad about eating. Oh, sure. Right. So I get one, and it's it's birthday cake flavored. And I have really intense cognitive dissonance around things that are birthday cake flavored. Here's okay. why. The first reason is the fact that things, that the idea of like birthday cake flavor exists infuriates me. 
because birthday cake isn't a flavor. Like any cake you any cake you eat right. for your birthday is your birthday cake. Like that's the flavor of your birthday cake. And so really what this is is cake flavor, but some chuckleheads only have cake once a year, which is absurd. Yeah. But he, okay, but here's the problem. Now it's enough of a thing that like birthday cake flavor is a discernible flavor. Like completely separate from actual cake. Like birthday cake flavor is just a thing. And here's and so far I'm fine. Here's where the cognitive dissonance for me comes in, Matt. I really love I love birthday cake flavored <laughs> things. Like anything that's birthday cake flavored, I love it. So I'm eating it, and at the same time, like, I'm enjoying it, but I'm also very angry that it exists. So there's a real mental storm going on there. Here's the, here's the other thing. It's everywhere. You can get birthday cake-flavored Oreos. Did you know this? Really? I, you know, I know that Oreo's been doing some wacky stuff recently. Oreo has been taken over by like a chondra of dark alchemists and like they've just they've thrown caution to the wind there's like a million different flavors of Oreos now and I would be angrier about it but I actually like I kind of dig a lot of them and the birthday like, cake flavor ones are pretty good I feel like there's a roaming band of like flavor wizards who move from company to company depending on the era like I think they were at Doritos for a couple of years and now they're at Oreo and uh, sometimes they like Mountain Dew yeah they shift Definitely. through Mountain Dew over the summer like they their summer home is in Mountain Dew <laughs> <laughs> at Mount Dew yeah absolutely so it's like okay, Mount so Doom, but way more refreshing <laughs> way more extreme <laughs> so uh so i've eaten this this birthday cake candy bar which is effectively what it is and it's a few hours later and we need to stop someplace because like the twins are getting antsy and uh we stop at a big rest stop and we're like where are we gonna eat and uh, of the of all the available options bob evans is the best option now i actually used to really dig bob evans i haven't been in a bob evans in in years, you used probably. to work at a Bob Evans. I did. I used to. It was like my first job. I was a busboy at Bob Evans. So I di- like I dig Bob Evans. I just haven't been because it's not a, it's not good for you food. Oh, but no. like we're on no, the Lord, road. No. Like yeah, we're like in the middle of Pennsylvania, and so we we pull into this Bob Evans, and I, I you know I sit down. I'm looking at the menu, and like all menus these days, they have like a little noter, like a little sticker that they put next to stuff. Like oh this. This stuff is like the slightly better for you stuff at our restaurant. Right. You like know you can how restaurants get do like this now? The biscuits and gravy, or you can get whatever this thing is. Yeah, like whatever this thing is. And so, w- one of the things that they have is multi grain pancakes. So, I'm like, okay, cool. So, it's got the sticker because I'm trying to eat healthier, right? And sure, I, sure. I, I'm reading it, and they're like, multi grain pancakes made with like, you know, flaxseed flour. Yeah, like multi, many grains, uh, multi grains. In fact, a multitude of grains. These pancakes are made with, and there's like spelt and flax and like all of this stuff. And so I'm thinking, like, oh, okay, man. Like, you know, like I'll get it, and I just won't put syrup on it. And so it'll be, you know, like some multi grain, good fiber, like long lasting carbs. We'll get a little butter on there, like cool. Sure. So like some Aunt May style buckwheat cakes. Right. Like some oldie timey spelled with a Y pancakes. So I get these pancakes. Now, first of all, I want to say I did eat some of them and they were delicious. Well, sure. Because they're, they're Bob, Bob Evans. Bob Evans. 
And so, but I get these pancakes and it turns out that these are multi-grain pancakes in the same way that blueberry pancakes are blueberry pancakes. Like it's a completely standard Bob Evans pancake. <laughs> They've just like sprinkled multi-grains into the top of it. It's just like and a then flipped it over. A smattering of multi-grain. Yeah, so it's the same, like, white flour, <laughs> sugary, like, pancake. They've just thrown some grains on it. Um, I mean, that's... It might be marginally... I mean, I can't see it being less healthy than a standard pancake. I mean, it's got to be healthier in the sense that, like, Bob Evans pancakes are a standard size, and if some of that volume is taken up <laughs> with something that isn't pure pancake... You're probably better off, like on the on the very edge of that margin, um, but they were not. They these were not what I felt like I was promised. Although, to be fair, had I considered really, had I considered the source, I would have known what was coming. Ultimately, I think that one was on me. Right, but still, so a, but a rude still, awakening. Yeah, well, I guess a rude but ultimately <laughs> delicious awakening. There was one time we actually the last time I was in a Bob Evans, we went with our friend Ben, who at the time was in his early 20s. And uh, if you know any young men in their early 20s, you know their eating habits. And so Ben was really excited because Bob Evans for a time was offering all you can eat pancakes for like, I don't remember, six or seven dollars. You don't need to charge much for all you can eat pancakes because a human can only most humans can only consume maybe three pancakes. Yeah, that's the thing. sized pancakes. That is, this is always a winning proposition because nobody can eat. And Ben was like, I'm going to eat so many pancakes. And I think he got through like five, which is impressive. But like, dude, nobody's, nobody's putting away more than like, I just can't conceive of a human being who isn't like a strongman competitor consuming more than (laughs) six pancakes at a sitting. Like I can't wrap my head around it. Uh, so that's our first star of the week, Matt. What? What is our second star of the week? So our second star of the week is that our sister Katie is back from abroad, uh, and yeah. she is welcome home. Uh, back home in the states, living in my uh, guest room. Cool, cool. Uh, sort of now until kind of no one knows until how long, but she's certainly welcome to be here. Um, yeah, least of all, Katie. Oh, yeah, it's great to have her. It's, a long-time listeners might remember her guest spot on the uh, Meteor Bem episode of Jetman. Wow, you actually, okay. I remember that she hosted. I did not remember which episode it was, so I don't know, good on you. Hey, I, I, I got a good memory for guest hosts, um, usually. Anyway, so she is at my place, and there's a thing that happens... Every time someone comes to stay at my place, which is that I realize that having lived alone for a number of years, my apartment Mm -hmm. is like optimized to what I like, but it's not necessarily optimized for literally anyone else. So like, I mean, you know, that's fair. Sure. I mean, you know, why would it be? Other people don't live here usually. So what happened is that I don't normally make coffee at home. I'm not okay. like a huge coffee guy. I'll drink it at the office, but I don't normally like make it for myself at home. And so yeah, you're a tea drinker. But other people do. Like it's a it's a thing that a lot of people like in the morning is to drink a cup of coffee. Yeah, like a lot of people. There's a whole industry around it. I mean, if you really like open your eyes and start looking around while you're out for a drive, you will see these shops. You'll all notice over. there's a yeah. 
So so I, you don't have a way to make this. No. So I walk out into my kitchen on uh, uh, last weekend when she had just gotten here, and I see that she has like cobbled together in, in like a very sort of like inventive MacGyver esque way a way to make like a cup of pour over coffee using like a colander and a paper towel and just like a lot of good intentions and wishes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I walked out and I saw her doing it. And like, if she was only staying here for the weekend, I'd be like, well, that's fine. It's a pain, but she can, you know, obviously she's found a solution, but the knowledge that she will be here like semi indefinitely, it was like, Oh no, 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 no. I, I cannot reduce her to this. Like I need, I need to do better. Um, like I'm trying to be excellent to each other and, uh, this I think is a small way that I can, uh, sort of get that move in. And so I immediately, like while she was doing this, I walked into the other room. I, uh, texted a friend of the show, previous guest, uh, Nick Douglas from the Copy Empress episode of Die Ranger. Eh? Eh? see, still good at it. Yeah, still good. You know, had you told me, like... Had I had to guess, like, hey, does Nick Douglas know, like, a whole, whole lot about coffee? I would have guessed yes. So I'm glad to hear that that's correct. Well, I texted him specifically because he actually wrote, like, a review for GQ.com for this one particular, like, swanky type of pour-over funnel. Yeah, that tracks. Yeah. So I, I just asked him, like, hey, what was that one thing you wrote an article about? And he shot back immediately with the name, which I do not remember off the top of my head, um, which probably kind of defeats the purpose of this anecdote. Because you, like y'all, if you have like thirty bucks to drop on a pour over thing, you should absolutely buy this one. It's great. Okay. It's got like a little valve in it. Uh, Matt, so we are. Let's just, dude, take a second. We'll pause this recording. I know for a fact that this thing is literally no more than fifteen feet away from you. Bonavita, the Bonavita. Uh, coffee, the Bonavita Porcelain Immersion Dripper. There we go. Thank you. Anyway, uh, if you don't already have something like this in your apartment, and listen, I know that most of you already do. Like I said, it's a fairly common item, a coffee maker of some stripe. Uh, get this one. It's very good. And if you have a guest, you can. it's a package deal where you can both up your game and be excellent to your guest. Anyway, Aww. Dave, that is the second star of the week. So, Matt, what is our third star of the week? Third star of the week, Dave, is that last Sunday I went to a birthday party for an old friend of ours. And on the way over to it, I stopped off at the grocery store to pick up some drinks. And so okay. I got like a six pack of like a nice local microbrew. Um, but also, as I was walking out the door, I saw stacked up in a prominent location uh, the recently limited series re release beverage. Dave Zima's back. Why? Zima. Okay. I don't know why. Yeah, no, but I heard you. I'm I just think asking it's back why. because it's been gone for long enough that people are like, yeah, what was that like? Because honestly, I missed it the first time around. I think it went off the market before I like was able to drink. So now that I finally had the option, I'm like, well, I don't have high hopes, but like, I might not ever get the chance again. And here it is. And so I guess we're just doing this. Yeah, you gotta... You gotta go for it. And I, I guess. Yeah, and, and, you know, I told myself that I would stop drinking, like, throwback novelty beverages after I was disappointed by Surge. 
But I guess I'm a liar and I am not good at keeping those <laughs> promises to myself. So here I was with a six pack of Zima. I get to everybody's house. I put the Zima in the fridge. And as soon as it is cold, I crack one open because I'm like, all right, I've been hearing about these for a long time. Now it's time to get what all the fuss is about. And so I take a sip. And after my first sip, I just turn to everyone in the room and I say, oh, yeah, I can see why they stopped making this. Like, yeah, there's it's... no like if you see it in the stores, there's no reason to drink it. It builds itself as a refreshing citrus beverage. Um, and one of those three words is correct. It is a beverage. It is neither refreshing, is a... nor is it particularly <laughs> citrus flavored. <laughs> I remember when I was a kid, like my, we were, I think at grandma and grandpa's and somebody, probably grandma, had gotten Zima and mom was drinking one. And I was like, oh, well, let me like taste it. Just like, you know, you're a little kid. You're like, oh, let me taste it. So they didn't let me taste it. And I remember as a little kid thinking that it was very tasty, which maybe tell, but it was 100% alcohol, which I think tells you kind of everything that you need to know about Zima. Yes. Like the only people who enjoy it are not the people who should be drinking it. Yeah. <laughs> That's a very good way to say that. So I, I, I eventually realized that if you, if you poured it over ice and then like squeezed about half a lime's worth of juice into it, it did kind of taste like something that you could drink. But like at that point, you could do that to just water and it would taste very good and probably, in fact, even better than this Zima. So if you see it <laughs> out on those shelves, which you may, and you may be tempted, they got those throwback, like the sh bottles are the same shape that they used to be. And you might say like, man, wouldn't it be funny if I drank this Zima? And listen, you're right. It might be funny, but it's it not It will, in good. fact... Right. That's the only thing that it is, is it will be funny. It will not actually be a quality experience for you. So what, Matt, is our fourth Star of the Week? Well, speaking of quality experiences, Dave, uh, last night I was over... Uh, Katie and I went over to your and Beth's house... And we we had some dinner, we grilled some chicken, had some watermelon. It was delightful. Yeah, it was lovely. And afterwards, when you would put the twins to bed, we got into, you know, YouTube parties? Yes. I mean, I know you do. You were there. I was. I guess I was more directly refer referencing the, uh, the listeners. Hey, listeners. You know YouTube parties where, like, you go to a friend's house and then somebody puts on a YouTube video and then somebody else puts and on then... a different YouTube video and then it's three hours later and all you've done is just watched a succession of YouTube videos? Yeah, it's not a bad party. It is sort of a distinctive party. And you got to be careful because sometimes you don't want to be at a YouTube party and you like you can kind of get stuck there. You can very easily But if you're cool with it, it's there. fine. Because it yeah. sort of loops around. Like you can only stop the YouTube party once every three to five minutes, depending on how long the YouTube videos are. Right. So if you miss your window, you're just right back into the thick of it. But last night we were all enjoying it and we got on this tear of watching like old 90s kids tv show stuff um and one of the things that we watched was the rockapella opening to uh where in the world is carmen san diego the iconic song of our youth well not the yes. iconic song of our youth an iconic song of our youth um and it reminded me that at one point in years past i had gone on the gone down this weird youtube hole of just watching other rockapella videos and that one, huh. and that one of them is uh, 
from this acapella documentary made by Spike Lee in the early 90s called Spike and Co. Rocket Acapella. And oh. Dave, I, I showed it to you last night. And I, yeah. I know what it's like, but I want you to try to describe it, having just experienced it for the first time. Okay. Um, so it stars, in a way, Spike Lee himself. Yes, he's going from location to location to watch all of the great acapella groups of New York City. Yeah, and so he they have created a frame story wherein he is just sort of out in the wild encountering and like learning about these things. Like they shoot it as though it is a documentary where in fact it isn't is absolutely staged. Well, we think it's staged. I would be willing to wager nearly anything okay. that it is in yes. fact staged. It is clearly staged. So Spike Lee so, and his friend, who he is dragging along on this acapella adventure. Yeah. They like wander down into like the basement of some place in New York City. And she is like, where are we going? This is so strange. Like this seems dangerous. Blah, blah, blah. And they get down into this basement area and the members of Rockapella, who I think I can only describe as uh, the whitest people ever. I mean, they were in an acapella group. So they're yeah. like they're white dudes in an acapella group, which almost assuredly meant that they probably met in their college acapella group. Uh, they're yeah. standing down in this basement. They are dressed as like, Saturday morning cartoon street toughs, by which I mean they are all wearing identical black Greasers. leather jackets and sunglasses. Yep. They are each wearing a single solid color t-shirt. Uh, that uh, I one think of them I think has a chain into their acid wash jeans. They 100% are. One of them does have like a chain that is sort of wrapped around his hand that he's sort of like clanking as though this is going to be a weapon. Oh, sorry. To describe physically these four dudes... The bass guy, the guy who sings bass, is very tall. He is a large man. And then there's two guys in the middle who nobody cares about. And then there is the lead singer guy who is a very angular white dude who has combined white dude cornrows with a mullet. Well... Okay, well, not technically cornrows because they're not on the top of his head. It's just those very small braids. So he has a mullet, which has been he has done like tiny braids in. It's a it's, it's a look. It's a it's a singular look. I can't think of any place else I've ever seen that particular look. And so uh, another group comes in. And they are much more uh, hip hop, I would say. Yeah, this is another and like this is another actual a, a, like singing yeah. group, but I do not know their name because I've only ever watched this five minute segment of this documentary. Yeah, and so they they come in and without any other without any explanation. I think the idea is that we would already understand that they're about to have an acapella off. They flip for it to see who goes first. Rockapella wins and. Then Rockapella breaks into a song called Zombie Jamboree. 
which you may recall, I think they did it. They think they performed it one time on Carmen Sandiego. They may have. It's a very bad song. Yes, and it it does feature a couple of white dudes doing what can only be described, and I wish I had a better word for this, as island voices. Yeah. And that's pretty rough. Oh, real quickly, Matt, I just I just popped on to check something out, and uh, Spike Lee and company, it is do it a cappella, I'm afraid, is on YouTube in its entirety. Ooh. So you could just watch you could just watch the whole thing if you wanted. Well, if it's as good as this, I might have to, because Rockapella goes on to do this extremely choreographed thing. Uh, and listen, like whether or not you like the song, like Rockapella is a very good singing group. But yeah, they are so excellent at the thing the song, that they're doing. Like, the setup makes it seem like it's going to be menacing. And then the song is such, like, this cornball song. I just... It was a very, very strange thing. At one and point, I they don't used understand. the chain that was previously being brandished as a weapon as a, like, line under which one of them does the limbo as they sang. I guess what I'm telling you all is that you need to go watch this video. Yeah, you should definitely, definitely go watch it. Because, and listen, here is the thing that only hashtag 90s kids will remember. Is that, like, for a group of, like, dorky acapella singers, that, like, Rockapella somehow managed to have a sustained cultural moment. Where, like, they were on TV every week, and they were in this documentary thing, and then they were, like in this, like, big Folgers commercial that ran for a super long time. Yeah! And I know, listen, I know that they are not, like, they did not have the cultural impact of, say, I don't know, whatever your favorite band is, or whatever your third favorite band is. But the fact that, like, these dudes were able to be, like, a cultural touchpoint that anyone in their early 30s will be like, oh, yeah, Rockapella, I know those guys, I still think is fascinating. Yeah, I am always, listen, it's great when anyone can manage to do the thing that they love and just somehow make a living at it. Because I'm pretty sure Rockapella is still together. They are. I mean, it's it's been sort of a fluid uh, membership over the years. I was looking at them on Wikipedia today. I actually haven't pulled up that article for a very specific reason. The tall baseman is no longer with the group. But his oh, no kidding. personal... Wikipedia page was edited 10 days ago. So someone wow. is still actively like watching out for this dude. And in the, like, after it talks about his time with Rockapella, there's a segment of the article that says other activities. And it talks for a while about the fact that he and his wife are like marriage counselors, which is wow. cool. Also, very cool. Uh, Barry Carl is his name, uh, started playing the bass in 1986 and was the bassist on the Quote, the Solo Project, like solo, as in like one person, right, but actually but... so low, like his voice is very low. Right. Uh, because apparently he has decided that all of his brands of entertainment can only exist in one like audio register. <laughs> then it hey goes, man, it uh, goes he's got a thing. To talk about his other activities. Here are the final two activities. And I am quoting here. Yeah, hit me. Uh, it talks about how he has, like, co-produced some TV pilots, blah, blah, blah. 
He rides a 2000 Honda VFR interception in Y2K yellow and takes vacations with his family to places that intrigue him. This is in his <laughs> Wikipedia article. And it's not under the heading of personal life. This is under like his activities, like what he does on his day to day. This is his There's thing. A separate part of the article to tell you about like his family. So either we got one of two things going on here. We got a Barry Carl super fan who's following him around and figuring out what color his motorcycle is. Or we have Barry Carl like... himself who just has nothing better to do and also has decided that everyone needs to know that occasionally he takes vacations with his family to places that intrigue him. I feel like the most likely scenario is that he is updating this webpage. Like he's doing it. Either way, I find the prospect delightful. <laughs> anyway, that's, that's all I got for acapella. So, Matt, what is our fifth and final Star of the Week? Our fifth Star of the Week, Dave, is the 4th of July, which we have just had. Love the 4th of July. Always love the 4th of July. I'm a big fireworks guy. Love fireworks. And thankfully, uh, I live pretty close up to uh, Lake Erie. Like, I am near enough to the lake where I can easily get to a spot where you see, like, the big city of Cleveland fireworks display every year. Mm -hmm. However, this year in particular, I had, a, like, a great spot for it. Because I was talking to a friend of mine who said, oh, yeah, like, this other person who, like, I kind of know but not know well enough to, like, get the invitation on my own. Uh -huh. has invited us to go to, like, hang out on his front yard, which happens to be in this, like, perfect spot to overlook the fireworks. And we can just, like, go there and watch them, like, sitting on his porch. It'll be perfect. We won't have to drive anywhere. Like, we'll just sort of go to this spot. Yeah, well, this is one of the really, really great things about uh, Cleveland is that kind of depending where you live, Cleveland wraps up and around the lake because we're at sort of, like, one of the low points of Lake Erie. And so if you're off to the sides, you can sort of like look straight across and see downtown. And that's always where the fireworks are. Yeah, they're, they're, they're like off of a barge by a bridge, like right as the river goes into the city. Yeah. So we're sitting, we go there to watch the fireworks at this guy's place. Um, as it turns out, he is not home. And like oh. other people knew this, but I did not. Like, he had just invited people to come to sit on his porch without him because he was out, like, on a boat in the lake watching like, the fireworks Like, I'm doing there. a different thing, but it's an open space for you guys. Right. And, like, he had That's locked the door, really... but he had left one of the windows open. And so one of the people I was with was like, oh, yeah, we're just going through the window. It's fine. <laughs> and so we're just like... Dude, that's a, uh, that's a very trusting friend. He is. He is, uh, he is a special man. Um, and he, he knows his neighbors pretty well. Like, it's a pretty tight-knit building. Um, so we just sort of, like, wander into this dude's apartment and are waiting around for the fireworks to start. And then the person who had actually gotten the invitation, um, to this dude's apartment had to leave because, like, there was something going on in her apartment. She had to run home. And, like, we weren't sure if she was going to be able to come back. And so at this point, it's just me and Katie, our sister, sitting in the front yard of a guy that I know but have not seen in at least six months, like, waiting for the fireworks to start. And oh, the... so nobody else is there. Yeah, it was just us. 
This is not like huh. a party. This was like he invited my friend and my friend invited me. And then my friend had to leave. And so I'm just sitting on this dude's porch waiting for the fireworks to start. Now, as it happens, the person, like my friend was able to come back. But there was a good like half hour, 45 minutes there where I was thinking, you know, part of me wants to leave because it feels weird that I'm here. But on the other hand, there was nowhere else that I'm going to get a better view of the fireworks. So I am yeah, this is this really... thing through because I need to see those big, beautiful explosions. <laughs> Did you do end up doing anything for the 4th of July? You know what? I didn't. Actually, I it's sort of a weird... Sp- because I was down in Virginia for this whole week, and just like as it happens, the schedule, it just sort of falls over the 4th of July. And so I was just like doing a bunch. I was very busy. I just didn't get a chance to do any any like 4th of July stuff, which is actually the only downside of, of the scheduling of when this thing is, because I really, really love fireworks. Well, Dave, you might not have been able to see fireworks, but today you will be able to see episode 41 of Ninja Sentai Kaka Ranger, The Stray Ghost. Uh, we're going to go watch that, take a break, and we will be right back. Ninja, ninja. All right, welcome back. So we have just finished watching episode 41 of Kaka Ranger, uh, an episode that I loved. How did you feel about this one, Dave? Just give me a give me a gut check before we get into it. Uh, it was a good episode, man. Felt- I feel like a, you know it's a good episode. I think in the realm of kind of monster of the week episodes, it's it's a pretty high on the list. Yes, it is weird that we are getting that we are still getting epi- or like monster of the week episodes this late in the series. Like this does not feel like episode forty one. No. I mean, given that we've got, at this point, maybe 10 episodes left of this show. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. I feel like at the end of this, when we finish this season, I feel like there is a conversation to be had about the fact that, like, the pacing and order of the events of the story of Cocker Ranger are, like, all whacked up. Like, it's really fun but I feel like if they had like plugged stuff out of one part of the season and put it into a different part of the season, they could have made a much more like compelling overarching story. Yeah, the pacing of this thing really, really... It, and the other thing is, is that it doesn't match up with other Sentai series. Or at least the ones that we've watched. But let's, let's hold off on that conversation. I do want to have it like at the end of the season, but... For today, let's just talk about episode 41, The Stray Ghost. So we start off and the Kaku Rangers are in their sort of like regular ninja clothes and they are all training in the park. Right. It seems like they ought to be training in a more like secluded area or maybe at night, but this is literally just like in the park in the middle of the day. They are jumping around and doing ninja stuff. Well, I should say... Almost all of them are are training. Oh, yes. Seikai, it turns out, is... He's just chilling. Just taking a nap. Just literally lying down on a park bench sleeping in his full ninja gear. Right. Like, he, he showed up to train with everyone else and then just, I don't know, decided against it? 
I think maybe the other four all sort of like paired off into sparring and he sort of quietly walked backwards until he wasn't standing next to them anymore and then just lay down. So, <laughs> so he's lying there and just out of nowhere, something is thrown at It's an apple. An apple gets thrown at him. And now this is impressive. He does from a dead sleep, like snatch this apple out of the air. Yeah, like he's napping, and, but he's ninja napping. Right. So he catches it. And then I, I truly can't. Okay, it's Seikai, so I guess I can. He takes a bite of it. Like, he's startled by the apple, and then he's suddenly delighted by the fact that he is holding food, and he just goes to town. So, dude, if I... Okay, listen, I just feel like at this point, the Rangers have run into enough stuff that, like, they should not be eating... Sky apples? They should not be eating sky apples. (laughs) Like, don't... Like, who, man, I can't believe, I really thought, genuinely, that this apple was going to, like, he was going to shrink or grow or, like, turn a different color. Like, I thought that this apple was the vector, right, was the vector for, like, an apple-based yokai, and they were, like, taking advantage of Seikai's love of food to get at him. This turns out to not be the case. This apple is 100% fine. Yeah, it's just a regular old apple. So a girl comes out of the woods who had thrown the apple, and there's like a little boy standing behind her, and she says, ah, see, that's how a man should be. Like, this is this is what's up. Like, capable of snatching apples out of the air. <laughs> the greatest of wild, all physical uh, Wild like, napping. So, the girl's name is Hanada, and she says her brother's name is Shinya. And she says, uh, you know, I've been watching you guys train, and here's the thing. My brother... I'm paraphrasing. My brother is a real loser. Like he's he's weakling and he can't do anything because our father is gone. He's a sad boy. Yeah, our father is gone. I do like that they specify he's working on a dam project overseas. Yes, and I really like that they take the time to explain to us exactly why Dad is gone. They say, "Listen, Dad is gone. He's he's overseas." And our grandfather has been raising him. Yes, but sadly, their grandfather has just passed away, which means that now no one is raising them. These are kind of orphans, like not actually because their dad is alive, but he's not there. And for some reason, when he found out that his children were just like living alone and that the grandfather had died, did not take the time or effort to come home to check on them. Yeah, I really... Because I assume that, like, okay, their mother has to be dead, I guess, right? One has to assume. Like, she's not mentioned in this. Yeah. So, where are the kids, like, living? I assume they're still living, like, in their house or in their grandfather's house, just with no adults. I'm not actually that, sure, like, the logistics of that, but it's it's not something that the episode spends any time on. I mean, yeah, obviously. Like, you don't want to be talking about, like, the logistics of how a 14-year-old girl buys groceries for herself and her little brother in the course of, like, an adventure show with ghost monsters. Um, yeah. But it does leave a few, like, tangling questions. So... <laughs> 
So they say, like, listen, I have been watching, and w- what I would really like is if you, Seikai, would train Shinya to basically, like, to be a man. Right, like, train him to be manly and strong. Because, like, he is a weakling, and Grandpa always spoiled him, which made it even worse. So, like, he just needs somebody in his life. Like a bit, like, you know, Seikai. like the Big Brother program. Exactly. But, like, uh, with Seikai... Ninja. Is a little well. Listen, dude. If you want a big brother, I feel like a ninja is, you know, like that's high on the list of like rad big brothers. Oh yeah, absolutely. So she, uh, it is a little bit weird to me that they pick Seikai because he's clearly the one who is like not training. Like she's watching them all train. She knows he's slacking off. But maybe yeah. that just means that she figures that he's the one who has time to help. Mm, that makes a lot of sense. Like, clearly, he's so good at being a ninja that he can just... All these other guys are catching up, like, trying to catch up, trying to get on Seikai's level. Right. Now, Seikai is into this. He's like, oh, yeah, sure. I will absolutely help this kid. <laughs> uh, and not only... Yeah, like, he's pretty psyched about it because he's like, you know... He very reasonably is uh is like pretty flattered. And anytime you can appeal to Seikai's ego, or you're like appetite. already halfway there. Yeah. She's already <laughs> appealed to the appetite, and then she appealed to the ego, so like that's it. Those are both so halfway there. She is all of the he's way there. In. Okay. So the next scene we get is there's a, like a flying lantern. It's just out in the city, and there's just a lantern that kind of flies around. And then ghosts come out of the lantern. Yes. So this lantern is called Chouchin Kozu. Kozo? Yeah. Kozo, yeah. Chouchin Kozo. Um, and he is like, I, I looked it up in that yokai book I've got, and it's, it's, it's in turning the book. out to be a really excellent resource. Yeah, it really is. Thanks a lot, Nick. Um, again, uh, go check out episode 25 of Live and Let Die Ranger. Copy Empress. Um, <laughs> so I, I checked it out, and it's basically, there is a whole section of that book that are yokai, but the yokai is just, like, stuff that is around your house when it gets old and starts to fall apart. And one of them is this lantern. So, like, the paper on it kind of wears out, and it tears sort of along those, like, wooden ribs in the paper, paper lantern. Uh-huh. And so it hangs open, and it kind of looks like a big open mouth. Oh, okay. And so, like, you know, the, the idea of the yokai is that it is a big open mouth, and then eyes pop out, and then it, like, spooks people. Got it. Um, so, so that's what this thing is, but it has been upgraded for the modern era, and now it can bring ghosts back from the dead to scare people with yeah. ghosts. It even says, originally, all we did was scare people, but now we can we, we can do all of this stuff. Which is a pretty big upgrade. Yeah, that's a pretty, uh, you know, thematically appropriate. Like, that makes sense, but yeah. it is pretty, pretty intense. And by the way, this monster, it's a very cool look. Yeah, it's just a giant... Well, it looks like a giant dilapidated, mo- like, lantern that a monster is sort of, like, coming out of the torn parts. Yeah, it's, I don't feel like that description does it justice, because it is a pretty neat look. So, the five ghosts that have appeared, there's just a girl, there's a dude with a giant fork, there's a dude on a motorcycle, 
a soldier. He's an army guy. Yes. And then just an old man. Yes. Just an old, old man with a cane. Yeah. By the way, and did, so the uh, the motorcycle guy, did he give you like shoji vibes? He he totally did. I think it's just because he was wearing white and on a motorcycle. Yeah, he's wearing all white. He's on a motorcycle, and his motorcycle has like a big flag sticking off the back of it. And it gave me real, uh, like, uh, farewell the Three Stooges flashbacks. He never takes so, the helmet off, by the way, which is a great look for a ghost. Yeah, we don't know. So Chuchin Kozo says, go to the ghost. Like, you go finish your business. Because it turns out, and he's going to explain this in a little bit, but his whole jam is that he brings back ghosts that have unfinished business and by setting them free to like take care of whatever it is they wanted to take care of, they will they will rampage. Right. So we cut to so, their rampages. The lady like appears in the middle of a jewelry store um, like as someone is trying on some fancy jewels. She steals all the jewels like, runs away and then, like, disappears into, like, a puff of blue flame. Yeah. The motorcycle guy appears and he just runs down a bunch of people on his motorcycle and then causes a car crash. The way he causes the car crash is really cool. He drives straight towards a car like they're playing chicken. And then before they're about to hit, he, like, goes sort of, like, blue, flamey, and tangible and drives straight through the car. So, like, he's fine. But the car freaks out and, like, spins off the road. Yeah. The soldier... The soldier just just murders people with guns. Yeah. a bazooka. A ghost bazooka. Which is one of the best bazookas. He just shoots people. Which is a little... On the list of bazookas, you've got standard bazooka. You've got, um... The... You've got, like, a t-shirt cannon. Which I feel like is a sort of bazooka, but like fun. And then you've got Ghost yeah. Bazooka. Of the three, I guess Ghost Bazooka would be your top tier. Oh yeah. So and then the fork dude uh just eats a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Like he appears at a restaurant. So the Rangers actually show up for this part. They're chasing the the eater, I'm gonna call him. Uh, so I, I refer to him eater. as Hungry Boy throughout my entire notes. I'm into that. So they chase Hungry Boy. And he is at a restaurant, and then he just sort of ghost phases through the wall, appears in the restaurant, yells at a bunch of people, and that scares them off. And then he sits down at the table, grabs a knife and a fork, and starts eating. Which, listen, in a way that I would describe as a hurried, but certainly not rampagey. No, and especially after, like, the other three were a steady ramp up, you know? Like, the lady is robbing people. The uh, uh, motorcycle dude is causing sort of general mayhem. The soldier guy is just shooting people in the face with guns. And then this guy is stealing your lunch, which really is a step down. So they're chasing so- Hungry Boy away from the restaurant. And he kind of disappears. Yeah. And then he reappears with the other ghosts and... Chujin Kozo. Yeah. And Chujin Kozo says, this is where he lays out his plan. He says, my, the old one just scared people. I have picked the most powerful ghosts to go on a rampage. I've handpicked them. And, yeah. It should be noted that the old man is not there. And so, this is very, like, of these four... Only two of these seem like kind of a big deal. 
Yeah, like, like motorcycle guy. It's like all right, he's running. He's running people over. That's obviously very dangerous. Soldier is just killing people. That's obviously very bad. Hungry boy steals your lunch. And he seems guess... to be very strong. And then, like, we later see that, like, you know, they've all got general ghost powers. So, yeah, they have, like, fine. an icy breath and some super strength or something. And then Jewelry Girl just steals jewelry. Like, that's not a. I mean, I it's mean, not it's a not good great. thing if it happens to you, but it's not what I would consider, like, the most dangerous ghost. So, the only thing I can think of is when he says the most powerful, I think what he mis- must mean is that. The ghosts with the greatest passions? Maybe, like the ones that had the most stuff to resolve. Right, like the most powerful needs that they needed to deal with still. In any case, this leads into a fight. The Cocker Rangers transform. uh, The ghosts go on the attack. And there's a really great moment. Like, they just sort of fight for a few minutes. Like, it's not a extremely eventful fight. Except that right before the ghosts leave, um, Tsurukime throws some shuriken at him. Or at them. And Hungry Boy catches the shuriken and eats them. And it's amazing. Yeah. Well, he doesn't eat all of them. He takes a bite and he decides that they're gross. And so he doesn't eat the rest of them. Well, that's fair. They and haven't then, been properly seasoned. They are weapons. Yeah. And then they ghost out. You're welcome. I have that in my notes all the time, and I'm really, I've been trying to not say it because that's how I describe people disappearing in this show all the time. And I feel like I just didn't know how to handle it this time. No, no, no. I also say that all the time, and this time it felt really good. So I decided to just lean into it real, real hard. So they ghost out. So we flip from there, and we see Old Man, and he is calling out for Shinya, which. Like, obviously, but if you hadn't guessed by now, this is Shinya's recently deceased grandfather. So he's looking for Shinya, and as it happens, Shinya is right there. Very convenient. Shinya is running away from Seikai, and Seikai is saying, like, hey, dude, like, I'm not going to hurt you. Like, your sister asked me to help you out. I'm trying to talk to you so we can train you. And Shinya has zero desire to be trained. He does not want this. Right. And he sort of like shoves Seikai away and starts to run. And Seikai chases after him. But what the grandfather sees is like some grown man like chasing his grandson, um, which outside of, you know, the context that we had seen earlier, like, yeah, sure. Grandpa wants to step in. Right. So they like run through some playground equipment or something. And as and Shinya gets away and as Seikai is coming out the other side, Grandpa just jacks him in the head with a cane. And then just sort of hits him a couple of times. And then I think disappears? I think he must, yeah. Because the next time that we see Seikai, he is just talking about what happened. But we don't see him yet. Because first, we are going to Daimao's evil castle. Yeah. So we're at this evil castle. And they're having a little bit of a parade with these lanterns. And Daimao says, so uh, what's up with this lantern parade? And Chuchin Kozu says, oh. Well, we're celebrating early because my plan is foolproof. He doesn't say that. I'm I'm extrapolating. My plan is foolproof. I have handpicked these five ghosts. They're rampaging super hard. I'm going to bring forth 10,000 more ghosts. We're going to overrun the earth. It's going to be chaos. And then Yokai City. This is great. Right. Daimu, you're welcome. Daimu looks up over at uh, Chouchin Kozo and says, well, you're an idiot. 
because you said that you brought back these five handpicked super dangerous ghosts, but... And, like, you can tell that there are only four ghosts with him at the time. Like, Grandpa is not there. Right. It's like, you also brought back this old man? So, what's up with like, that? like, sort of a hologram. A hologram appears and you see the old man. And Jujin Kozu is mortified. Like, somehow he this says, is the first that he's noticed. Yeah, he's like, I... Ooh, he's like, I thought I had brought back, like, a homicidal killer. I'm not sure how that dude got in here... But listen, Daimaru, I'm going to take care of this. I'm going to get that homicidal killer. He's going to rampage like you've never seen. And then 10,000 ghosts, chaos, yokai victory, party forever. Right. So it seems like at this point, he's only able to bring back like five at a time. So to get this homicidal killer, he has to first send Grandpa back. Yeah. Well, you know, he's like level whatever. And... By causing chaos, he's getting experience points, maybe, and then he's going to turn around and reinvest those in a more powerful ability to bring forth ten thousand ghosts. Seems reasonable. Yeah, this is uh, this is a pretty standard, I think, like power scale. So we so get back to the we, park where the right. other four cocker rangers have found Seikai, who is sort of nursing the wound on his head and telling them, like, "Yeah, I saw this old man who I'm pretty sure was uh, Shinya's grandpa, but that guy's dead." So. What's going on? And so we should. <laughs> so Chuchin shows up just chasing Grandad. Just like, like Grandpa's down the just running away. Yeah. Just kind of like, get back here. I'm going to. I don't know how we would put him back in the ghost realm. Just eat him, maybe? Maybe. He's, but he's like, get mouth. back here. I'm going to put you in the ghost realm. So Grandad runs up to the Rangers who sort of jump in front of him and stand between him and Chuchin because they're not sure what's going on. But if Yokai is chasing you, it's probably a pretty good bet that, like, you need help. Right. They and that you are on the side of... And Jiraiya throws some bombs at oh, yeah. Chochin Kozo. And then Chochin Kozo just sort of, like, chills for a minute. He just stands there for, like, the rest of this conversation, not interacting with anyone. Yeah, we get a fair amount of exposition out. So, Granddad just explains, he says, Listen, man, I I know I'm actually not supposed to be here... He was supposed, he was looking for this homicidal killer, but I really, really wanted to see my grandson Shinya. So I, he doesn't explain how he took this other dude out. He says, I basically took this other dude out and I took his spot in line. He said that he basically shoved him out of the way, I think, when the, like, the reviving beam was hitting them all or something. Yeah, so now I'm here and I just, like, I really want to go see my grandson. You guys got to help me out. By the way, at no point in this episode does the grandfather say that he wants to see his granddaughter, who is also in this episode. He is 100% there for Shinya. So what? And he like gets down on his knees and he's, guys, you've got to help me. Please, please, please. As they are very understandably nonplussed by everything that's happening, Ninja Man shows up. Just flies in on a cloud. Ninja Man is touched by Grandad's devotion. He turns to the rest of the Rangers, says something to the effect of, how can you guys, how can you guys be so callous? Can't you see that this old man just wants to see his grandson? We need to help. He says, come on, Grandad, you're coming with me. I'm going to take you to go see Shinya. Grandpa just takes, like jumps, literally hops on Ninja Man's back, 
who gives him a piggyback ride away. Yeah. Presumably like, I'm gonna go to take Shinya. care of this. Like, you guys stay here and deal with uh Chouchin Kozo, who is still just standing there. Yeah. Very polite as Yokai go. So, <laughs> so the next scene that we see is Ninja Man and Granddad, and they're they're up. At like a vantage point, and they are looking down at Shinya, who is getting picked on by some other kids. Okay. Yeah, there's like these three kids that are all sort of encircling him. Yeah. Ninja Man and Granddad look at this, say to themselves, we've got to help. And they are about to jump down and presumably like beat these kids with a cane and probably a sword. That seems but reasonable. Seikai shows up. Yeah. So, but Seikai shows up. And Sekai says, basically, like, listen, dude, I get it, but you are a ghost and it is not fit for the dead to meddle in the affairs of the living. Yeah. It's like a really highfalutin way to say that. I'm not sure where that came from. But he says exactly that. And he says, also, like, I get it. I get wanting to step in and help Shinya. But if you help him every time... He's never going to learn to stand up on his own. He's never going to learn to be a man. Uh, the exact quote he says, he'd be weak and cry a lot. And you can't have that. You can't have that. So just let him continue to get bullied, and eventually that'll just toughen him up. Yeah, Seikai does not have an alternate plan. It does seem he's like, well, you just have to live through this, and then, you know, you'll come out stronger on the other side, I guess. Which, I don't know, that doesn't seem like the... I get what he's saying about the ghosts not meddling in the affairs of humans, but, like, this also seems like an awful plan. I did expect Seikai to say, like, you can't go help, but I, his theoretical mentor, will then go help. But Seikai doesn't do anything. He just takes this time to stop them from helping. Maybe he was about to when the situation is resolved else otherwise. Because what happens is, is that the sister whose name I don't remember, Hanada. Yes. Uh, I was going to say, she shows never up. made it into my notes with a real name. I cared about yeah. her about as much as her, her grandfather did. Oh. <laughs> so Hanada shows up, and she chases the kids off. And we find out what the kids are picking on Shinya about, is that he has this pocket watch, which is a... A memorabilia pocket watch from the USS Constitution. Yes. Seems like a weird pick, but whatever. Maybe, and there's I don't a, know, man. Maybe this dude, maybe the grandfather was at some point in his life really interested in like early um, like American naval warfare. Is Just heads up. Is the USS Constitution the ship that still exists? It's like parked up in Boston and you can go tour it. Oh, Dave, the USS Constitution is a wooden-hulled, three-masted heavy frigate of the United States Navy, named by President George Washington after the Constitution of the United States of America. She is the world's oldest commissioned naval vessel afloat. Oh, she's still... No kidding. We have seen the USS Constitution. If you're ever up in that area, it's, it's really, really neat. It's a very cool thing to see. Yeah. So, listen, it is 100... Like... People in America collect samurai swords. It is 100% reasonable for this old Japanese man to just have been super into American naval history. You know what I really like the idea of? Because I feel like if you're going to buy a samurai sword in America, you're either going to get it at the mall 
or at like a truck stop in the middle of like rural Virginia? Well, okay, there is a third option, which is you go to like a very, very expensive and highly reputable dealer and buy like a for real actual sword. Sure, but I feel like most of the ones in circulation in North America are not coming from that source. So oh, yeah, you're you're right. I'm just saying, like, there is an option that isn't awful. So I like to believe that, like, there is a similar sort of mirror of that in Japan, where people are collecting, like, knockoff uh, pocket watches p- featuring pictures of the USS Constitution, <laughs> like, just at a gas station up in the mountains somewhere. Man, I so hope that's true. I love, because you don't think about it, but there are people in other countries that are super into American stuff. And that they're, it just does make me feel, because sometimes I feel bad about being an American. Because our whole jam seems to be that we just sort of take other people's stuff and do like weird, goofy, probably bad versions of it. Yeah. I mean, that's but sort of the standard me, thing. Yeah. It does make me feel a lot better that we are not the only country that does that. Like a bunch of other countries also do it and they do it with American stuff. Like for example, Matt, I don't know if you know this, uh, Germans super into cowboys. Really? Like Western, like old West style cowboys. Yeah. This is, it's like a cool thing there. So anyways, grandpa, USS Naval Warfare buff had this watch and there is a picture of him in it, which he has given to Shinya. Uh, It's unclear. My hope is that he had the picture of himself in it just back when it was his watch and then gave it to Shinya. But there is a picture of Granddad in this watch. And it is like Shinya's most treasured possession because he he loved his grandpa and it's very sweet. Sure, he carries it everywhere. And for some reason, that is like a good enough reason for bullies to bully him. Well, his sister says, she says, all you do is hold this watch and cry at it. Well, okay. When you put it that way. And I think if he just carried the watch around, I think it would probably be less of like a bully magnet. But staring at something small in your hand and crying at it, that's like bully prime rib. That will draw. That's blood in the water. So the sister says, listen, Shinya, you are bad at this. I will hold on to the watch for you. Like, I will hold on to it for you. You'll know it's safe. And then maybe this way you won't get, you won't get picked on as much. Which, first of all, Hanada, uh, way to blame the victim. Sure, sure. But second of all, Shinya flat refuses. He just says, like, I think he doesn't even say anything. He just runs away. Yeah. So this is the break in the middle of the episode. When we come back, Seikai has caught up to Shinya. And they are sort of sitting and talking about the watch. Yeah. And Shinya says, like, listen, you know, like, this is something my grandfather gave me. It's my most treasured possession. That's, like, the thing that I have to hang on to. And we get a little flashback of, like, Shinya with his grandfather when his grandfather was alive. And it's very nice, you know, like, they had a very sweet relationship. Right. We do not see Hanada uh, anywhere in any of these flashbacks. Oh, no, 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 no. She, like, has, like, living in the attic or something. (laughs) Oh, jeez, man. Like, you know, um, in um, I mean, she Jane could Eyre, be. there's, like, the like the wife who has to live in the attic and is, like, locked up there. Oh, yeah, because she's crazy or something. Yeah. I, don't I feel like maybe Hanada had that sort of situation, which is maybe why she does not seem super sad about the fact that her grandfather is dead. Yeah, she's way, way less broken up about like, it. Like, she's clearly um, not thrilled, but she's 
fine. Yeah, she's much more worried about Shinya and how he's such a wimp. <laughs> so Shinya says, listen, my sister asked you to make me strong and manly, but I don't think I can do that. Like, it's just not yeah, like. Me. Yeah, like, I can't do it. I just, man, I, I just don't have the juice. I, uh, yeah, I, I can't make it happen, man. And Seikai says, that's ridiculous. A true strong man is one who has a kind heart like you. Right. Which is, there's, there's some classic Sentai. Oh, that's, yeah. Uh, this, this, I feel like, is where the good lessons start in the episode. More than halfway through. Um, so he's finally getting through to this kid. And at that moment, a ghost motorcycle man drives by and just grabs him and drives away and, like, disappears into a, a puff of blue flames. Yeah, it's awesome. So what we figure out... Oh, and then the, the well, hungry boy shows up. And says, listen, if you ever want to see the kid again, um, we have to trade Grandpa for the homicidal ghost. So come to, you know, X and Y location, which is probably going to be a quarry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, It is. It's totally a quarry. That is that is what it is. So we show up at the quarry and it's the old man and ninja man. It's Granddad and Ninja Man, and they have they have somehow gotten this information. They have showed up to save Shinya. Ninja Man says, listen, dude, you stay here. I'm gonna go, like, I'm gonna go fight Chuchin Kozu Kozo, and I will get like I'll get Shinya back. Like, you obviously are no match for this old man. Or this uh this monster, because you're an old man. Right. So Ninja Man jumps down. <laughs> this is a fantastic because <laughs> he looks at Chuchin Kozu and Chuchin Kozu says if you take one more step like I'm going to kill the kid and Ninja Man says you coward like how could you threaten the life of this child <laughs> Chuchin Kozu's <laughs> response is cowardice is the yokai specialty like that's what we do this is not a fair fight I am trying to manipulate this situation right, like I'm the bad guy here I recognize that it's cool it's yeah I've made my peace with that it's totally fine so, so he, like, shoots fire out of his mouth at Ninja Man. Ninja Man sort of flies back and goes down. Mm-hmm. While As this he, is happening. This is rad. Like, Seikai has remembered that he is a ninja. And starts to do some great ninja stuff. This is, I love it. Because a lot, okay, a lot of the time in this show, they are doing... Sentai stuff with like a ninja flavor, but like ultimately, you know, they're just using like Sentai powers of various stripes, sure. right? Like they do illusion magic. Daigo did illusion magic. That dude wasn't a ninja. But every once in a while, the show, I feel, the writers of the show remember that they are in fact ninjas and that ninjas are supposed to be super sneaky and they throw in some cool stuff like this. So what happens is that Seikai has been lying in wait, like behind Chuchin Kozu in like a ghillie blanket. Like it is a camouflaged blanket. And he throws it up. He grabs Shinya. They run over to where Granddad and Ninja Man are already waiting. And then he just goes, Ninja Disappearing Act. And they teleport away. Yeah, like he throws down a smoke bomb and they are gone. It's amazing. So they pop back up, sort of like on the other side of a hill, but like still sort of in the general quarry area. And the other cocky rangers are waiting for them there. Like, yes, Seikai, you did it. That was amazing. And everyone is thrilled until 
Oh, at some point, the sister arrived as well. She is here with them. I don't know. I think that just happens here. There was no scene where she arrived. Um, this is all great until Shinya realizes that in the scuffle, he has dropped the watch. Yeah. And there is and... nothing more troublesome than dropping your favorite grandpa watch. And when I say grandpa watch, I don't mean your grandfather's watch. I mean that Shinya literally says, I need to go get the watch. The watch is grandpa. And I don't know if that's a bad translation for the dubs or if this kid has just gone crazy for this watch. Yeah, it seems like it seems like Shinya is not processing his grief properly maybe anyway like any yeah so so shinya so decides like oh now is the time like i need to like take action in this moment and just starts running back towards the watch which as you may recall is literally like at the feet of chochen kozo yeah so he is run like he just made everybody tries to hold him back. He manages to break out and makes a beeline for this watch. It's sort of a weird scene because it's meant obviously to be very dramatic. Like the music is very dramatic, it's in slow motion. But what is actually happening is that a small child is doing the little kid run. You know what I mean? Sure is doing the little kid run in slow-mo as some small fireworks are going off, like, around and behind him. And as a full team of, like, grown adult superheroes are unable to overtake him. (laughs) Which is probably the least realistic thing in this show. So, there's a lot of... I feel like every couple of episodes we decide on a new most unrealistic thing, but this is pretty high on the list. So... Oh, by the he way, does, at this he... point, uh, Shojin Kozo has summoned Dorodoros, and so the like the kid has managed to run past all of them, and they are sort of stopping the Kaki Rangers from continuing to run because they get into a fight. One of the Dorodoros grabs Shinya, and Shinya like bites it on the hand and gets free and continues to run to the watch. Yeah, it does do a pretty good job, uh, and he he does he makes it to the watch like he gets there. Then as soon as he gets there, everyone sort of, like, catches up with him. And Seikai says, like, yes, you did it. Like, you're not a scaredy cat anymore. Like, now, like, you have broken through this, like, mental barrier. You are already a fine man. Yeah. <laughs> and my favorite part um, about Seikai saying you are already a fine man is uh, Chojin Kozo's response of, and this is a quote, that's no fine man. And then he yeah, summons I some did. <laughs> so well, he summons yes. the same ghosts. This is not like a new crop of ghosts, but like the Ghost Rider and Soldier Boy and Hungry Boy and the Jewel Thief Lady all arrive. Yes. So it is really funny because you know, soldier guy, motorcycle guy, they just have some innate weaponry. The jewel lady, they just keep having to give her stuff to make her a threat. Because she's just a young lady who wants jewelry. So now she has a revolver. So she, like, there's everybody's shooting, uh, you know, like, they're trying to fight. And uh, Shinya says to Seikai, he says, I want to help fight. Seikai has the good sense to say, no, 
you are not prepared for this, but what you do need to do is get your sister to safety. Right. Like, a, a true hero wouldn't let your sister, like, stay in danger. So, like, you need to, like, get her and run away. Yeah. So, Ninja Man says, hey, I'm going to, like, I've got the, I'm going to cover the kids. You guys stay here. Yes. So, they run off. Granddad is sort of off to the side, and he is, he is just over the moon about Shinya's personal growth, basically. Yes. He's like... I'm so pleased, like, Shinya has, he's no longer scared, and he did this thing, and he saved his sister, kind of, hooray! <laughs> like, now I know that, like, Shinya will always be okay. Like, yes, I can sort good. of, like, go in peace now. Like, my unfinished business has been resolved. But it, yeah. at this moment, the Kaki Rangers are sort of on the bad end of this fight. Like, they've all been knocked out. Not out, but down. Yeah. And Chojin Kozo and the other four ghosts are, like, menacing them, like, closing in. And as they are doing this, like, Grandpa the ghost, like, materializes in between the Cocker Rangers and the monsters. Yeah. And then... And he says, like, thank well... you so much. Thank you for, like, helping my grandson. Like, this is the final goodbye I really appreciate everything you've done for me. Yeah. And he throws down his cane and he turns to face the other ghosts and Chojin Kozo. And at this point, I think, well, what's he going to do? Like, he's a ghost, he's just I an guess. Old man. Like, he's a ghost of like a frail old man. Yeah. And what he does is. He, like, raises his arms, looks as though he is going to sort of, like, hulk out, kind of, bursts into flame. And then, like, he, the actor disappears. He's replaced by just an animation of just a human torch who starts running at the other ghosts and then turns into a fireball and launches himself at the other ghosts and explodes. It's amazing. It's such a good moment. Um, and like, yeah, they are all stunned. And Sasuke realizing this is his moment to strike summons his like lightning blade and does the lightning cut to like knock them all out, like kill the other ghosts and defeat Chojin Kozo, at least in his sort of human size. Yeah. So then we get, just a very, like, I kind of hate to do this, but it's literally the exact same fight scene that we've gotten in the last any number of episodes. Like, he goes giant. They summon uh, Kakure Daishogun. Ninja Man appears. He gets called the novice. He turns into Samurai Man. They blow up Church and Kozu. You know, like, that's it. There should never be a scenario in my life where a 1,000-year-old giant ninja robot man gets so angry that he transforms into a giant robot samurai man and then throws, like, an anger-fueled energy ball at a monster until it explodes. Like, that should never be boring to me, ever in my it life. Shouldn't. And yet, they have somehow and succeeded. Yeah, I do. They like did. in theory, I really like it, but like, guys, you have got to switch it up, right? It's well, it's the problem is that it is totally rad. It's just the same rad thing every time, which makes it ultimately like sort of boring. You know what it feels like? 
it kind of makes it feel like we're watching Power Rangers because I feel like Power Rangers would reuse the stock footage a lot more because they were kind of forced to because they didn't have any control as to like what footage was coming in. So they would like cut stuff out and make the giant robot fights shorter and do all sorts of like tricks to get around it. But like Sentai right. doesn't have to do that. They're making all the original footage themselves. They it's could like, have guys, done something you've got more it. They just chose no, not they to. They don't. Yeah, so so that fight is over. That's it. Like that's the end of that thing. Again, it's like it's kind of fun to watch, but it's really boring to talk about because it's just the same thing again. Exactly. So at the end of that, or after that rather, we go from there and it's just kind of the closeout scene where it's all of the Rangers plus Hanada and Shinya. And Ninja Man. And they are. And Ninja Man. And they're just standing around like, hooray! Like, everything is... Like, great job, everybody. Everything is cool now. And Shinya looks down at his watch. And, oh, did we mention before that the watch had stopped after his grandfather died? Oh, no, we didn't. And I actually did not even... I did not notice that in the episode. And so the fact that they're like, oh, and the watch has started working again. Yeah, they mention it one time in, like, super passing. Um, But, yeah, the watch has started working again. And Seikai says that that is a sign from the grandfather that, like, Shinya should also start, like, moving forward again and not look towards the past. And Shinya looks up in the sky and he sees, like, the force ghost of his grandfather waving down to him. Right. (laughs) And he, like, he says, yes, everything is, everything is cool. Great. And then they all start running together and they jump at the same time and it's a freeze frame and that is the end of our episode. Yep, that's it. But it is not the end of the episode of this show, Dave, because the end of this show involves us first checking where Chouchin Kozo goes in the Creature Royale. So, I dig him. Like, I'm not crazy for him, but I do dig him. Absolutely. He is a, I think he's a very strong contender in the middle of the list. Yes. Yeah. I think that's a really good way to say that. He is, he's got a pretty cool look. He's got a pretty cool plan. He doesn't actually do the plan super, super well. But it does involve, like, if I'm talking about how cool this dude is, I've also got to include, like, motorcycle ghost and army ghost and like fancy lady ghost and hungry ghost like that oh, i feel like i feel like we all sort of come about as a unit if we're judging this dude you know yeah so so he's yeah he's pretty neat and he's got his ghost helpers which is pretty cool so if we pop down around the middle of the list we're looking at almost right in the middle are the jewelry priestesses from Die Ranger. Ring Priestess, Necklace Priestess, and Earring Priestess. Just above them, we're into Pachinko Master and Master Mirror. And then below that, we're down into Copy Empress, uh, Kanagama, the Slot Machine Monster, the Sand Witch, the Cat Lady, the Sunakake Baba, and Bakaneko from, uh, from Kaka Ranger. You know, and we've already mentioned the Copy Empress once or twice in this episode. Um, I feel as though that's actually a pretty good comparison starting point. Because Capri Empress right. also looked cool, and she had, like, a whole cadre of people that she summoned to fight. And, like, 
her summoning those like extra die rangers really made for like a cool fight between the team and the villains in a way that I think is similar to how it works in this episode. Yeah. And we got Chochin Kozu did kind of the same thing. Uh, You know, like his ghosts were a little more generic, I think than copies of the Rangers themselves, but it's still a very neat idea. And I think that Chochin Kozu's look is actually a lot neater than copy Empress's. Yes, I think it is. So I would say Chuchin Kozu would go in at slot. What is that? 38, just above Copy Empress. But you think she, You think that he goes below the um, you know, jewelry I was priestesses? Like, I, was, I was just about to say, you know what? I think I actually am going to say he goes below the jewelry priestesses. They've got a couple of episodes. They've got like a cool group dynamic. Uh, yeah, so I, know, I think I, he's not I tend, quite as cool as they are. I tend to discount them because I think of how cool they are individually. But when I actually go back and think about how cool they were as a unit and how good that arc of episodes was back in Die Ranger, um, they actually are pretty good. So yeah, yeah. why don't we slot uh, Chochin Kozu in position number... Was that 38? Yes. 38 of... 74. Okay. So there he goes... And I think, Matt, that's it for us, yeah? Yes, that is going to do it for another episode of A View to a Cocky Ranger. Before we finish up here, I'd like to remind you all you can email the show at supersentibrothers at gmail.com. If you want to get any updates on future episodes or check out the things that we're talking about on Twitter, we are at Bros. If you like the show, please remember that shining in the iTunes reviews section, there are five stars. Rate, review, subscribe on there. That's what's going to help new people find the show. And if there's one thing that we love, it's people finding the show. And liking it. Love that, it. If we like two things, it's people finding it and liking it. Um, the Super Sentai Brothers are a production of Retrograde Orbit Radio. To find any of the other great Retrograde Orbit Radio shows, you can do that all at RetrogradeOrbitRadio.com. Once again, we are the Super Sentai Brothers. I'm Matt. I'm Dave. And we'll see you next week for the greatest show on Earth. Kakule!